welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. This is episode 107 of the Proper Mental Podcast, and my guest this week is Sarah Prinsloo, who is an artist and the founder of the It's Okay Project. And It's Okay is a zine that contains artwork, poems, written pieces, all that focus on and around mental health and creativity. And Sarah started the project as a way to process her grief after her sister died by suicide. And it started as an open call on social media for creative pieces related to mental health, and it's grown into something really special. And I love it. I think it's amazing what Sarah and the guys are doing over it. It's okay. Uh, first off, it's a zine. It's a physical thing that you can buy and hold in your hand and flick through. And I just think that's amazing. That's so rare these days. Everything in there is really creative and really inspiring. There's a real mix of different things that people submit. And although it's all about mental health and grief and emotions and feelings, there's this sort of underlying vibe of hope and positivity in there as well. And there's just so much love and care that's gone into it, you know, partly from all these different people all up and down the country, probably from other countries as well, that have created these these pieces, these things, and then they've sent them in. And then Sarah and her team have worked really hard to collate them all in this wonderful thing and like put it out in the world. And I just think there's something really special about it. And something else that Sarah does through the It's Okay Project is run creative workshops. And that's kind of where me and Sarah met and where I found out more about what she was doing. But we've got a mutual friend. Uh, shout out Will Hesketh, if you're listening, mate. I hope you're well. And he does this uh, wonderful festival once a year at the Greystone Action Sports uh, Skate Park. And it's called Coping UK. And Sarah was there as part of that. And she had this big workshop outside and me and the kids went and did that after a day of skateboarding and eating burgers. And it was so much fun. It was all based around collaging and cutting stuff out and sticking. And uh, yeah, we were there for ages. We just got lost in it. And I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. And my kids loved it. And it was just this really wonderful thing. It really got me thinking. And I think the workshop element of what Sarah does is also amazing. And if you're looking for something a, a bit different for your organisation, for your charity, for your event, for whatever you're doing, definitely look her up. Because it was a really cool thing to be a part of. So that's where I met Sarah. We had a bit of a chat. And uh, yeah, it was amazing to catch up with her again a couple of months further down the line. We chat all about the zine and it's okay and where it came from and what that was like for Sarah and how as an artist she had to really rely on her creativity to process and to grieve and to kind of get through everything that happened really. And we talk about the importance of her having a creative outlet in general, but also when life gets challenging, when life gets hard. We talk about the complexities of grief and how they impact our mental health. But we also talk about community and we talk a lot about skateboarding. Sarah's a keen skater and we talk about skateboarding and mental health in the skate community. Yeah, it's a conversation that goes everywhere. One place it did go and it was actually after we finished recording, me and Sarah were just having a chat and we were talking a lot about representation in the mental health conversation and particularly her working class voices, you know, and how both of us felt that we didn't really hear people that sounded like us or sounded like they were from where we were from. 
Um, and that's a really, really interesting conversation. And I'm a bit gutted we weren't recording. But I just wanted to mention it because I think it's an interesting point. It's probably going to come up again on a future episode if I get the chance or the right person to discuss it with. If you enjoyed this episode and you like what Sarah's got to say for herself, go and check out It's Okay. It's a really cool thing. If you go to itsokproject.com, everything you need is there. There's merch there. Alongside the zine, there's like t-shirts and artwork and stuff. And it all goes straight back in. It's a registered CIC. It all goes straight back in to support the project. Sarah's got loads of ideas about what they can do with it. I've also put the links to that. All the social media is in the episode notes. I've put the link to Sarah's website as well for her art because she's an artist. She does some amazing stuff. So go and check that out as well. All the stuff you need for me is all in there too. Feel free to get in touch. Email's probably the best way. And leave us a review. iTunes, ideally, you can do it on Spotify as well. You know, I said get in touch before. If you haven't left me a review, don't bother getting in touch. I don't want to speak to you. You can, really. I'm just being silly. I apologise, it's been a long day. This is... Let's just go on a bit, shall we? Yeah, let's just get it done. This is episode 107 with Sarah Prinsley. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Enjoy. That's always my biggest fear that I'll forget to like hit that record button and we'll get halfway through and I'll be like, oh, fuck, I'm going to I'm gonna have to, I'm going to have to tell her. It's like, tell, tell me about the worst thing that's happened to you and I'll forget to press record. Uh, easily done. Easily done. Cool. So, um, yeah, I'll do a little intro, mate. We'll dive, dive straight in. Okay. Cool. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is Sarah Prinsloo. How are you, mate? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Good, mate. It's lovely Thanks to see you again. Me. Oh, mate, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me. I was trying to think when it was that we kind of bumped into each other at the Coping Festival. Was that like August sometime? <laughs> God knows. Like it wasn't that life. long ago, was it? No, it wasn't it that long ago at all. Yeah, it was sunny. That's the thing that's changed. It's not. Yeah, it was a really so nice event now. as well, wasn't it? It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, we were doing our little outstand and um, with consent for breakfast um, and coping with we've been every year actually apart from last year because my friend had a wedding so I couldn't attend last year but we've been there from scratch and absolutely love the event the event sick yeah it was really cool there was so much um going on obviously I was there with my kids and they loved it they got to have a you know a little go at skating we came home with a skateboard as well they were really um they did didn't they yeah. they had a little go it's so cool to meet them yeah so no it's a good um a good day yeah and as yeah. we record this mate your is it issue five of your zine is is out yes. this week right yes got it right here right there issue oh mate. Sick. really yeah. excited about this one that um, must be a must be a thing to have it like you know have it out in the world after all the work that's gone into getting it ready that must be you know must feel quite good this week must feel weird yeah it's it's always nerve-wracking um launching a new zine um you know the amount of effort that goes into it and then all of a sudden it's done and it's like right now it's ready for the world to see and then you know you're getting all your shippings and you're getting all your packages ready you send them out and you know within like three days time you're going to start getting feedback on that zine which is always a bit scary 
Yeah. I think it's it like it makes must make so much different being like an actual physical thing that people can hold in their hands. Cause in this digital world, we're so used to like pinging stuff off into cyberspace or whatever. And that's just it then, isn't it? You don't really know. It just kind of goes out there. But when it's like this physical thing that, you know, you get the box of them and then you have to physically post them out. There's something like yeah, really nice, yeah. really old school about that. Eh? Yeah. And what we try and do is when we uh, hand write all the addresses on it and oh, have mate. done I don't like shipping labels, um, so I handwrite all the addresses on it. And that's like, it's a really important aspect for me. I'm not sure why. I just, maybe it's, I don't know. I feel like I have to put my all into it because I've made it, you know, and um, just handwriting those addresses. And I was sat there a few days ago with mountains of them all around my bed. And I was just like, feeling a bit rubbish because um, COVID, obviously. So I was a bit like, um but yeah, there's something satisfying about that for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think for people to receive that as well, like handwritten, that's such a lovely thing, particularly when we're, because I'm, you know, I'm guessing the vast majority of the people who have got a hold of a copy have an interest for some reason in mental health, right? And like, it's yeah. such a, such a precious thing, such a fragile thing. And having that, like the handwritten address, like personalize it in such a, a lovely it, way. It? Yeah, that's really nice, mate. Really, really yeah. nice. Yeah, and it's really important to us to make our scene a physical copy as well. Um, I think with our second one, we tried to go digital. We did a digital copy because I don't think we were shipping worldwide then. Um, but yeah, we scrapped that after a while and we were just like, no, nah, it has to be that physical copy. Yeah. It's that history of zines as well. You know, it's uh, from van fanzines, the punk era. It was like, you know, it's a really DIY kind of style of um, getting information out there. So, yeah, physical copy just had to be. Yeah, there's all that kind of like romance of it, isn't there? You picture it like folded it off in someone's back pocket and getting passed to, oh, have a look at this yeah. and like passed on to the next person. Exactly. And, yeah. It's on the coffee table. Uh, people can read it, you know, in your house. I know people pick it up in our house when it's on the coffee table and have a little look. Yeah. And you can pick it up and read it in your own time as well. I think that goes yeah. so, you know, like with the mental health conversation as well, like we tend to, we always talking about awareness and like normalizing the conversation, but we tend to, it can be easy to get caught up in having these conversations in spaces where everyone involved understands these things, you know? And I think that this physical thing that could end up anywhere, if you've got it on your coffee table, what a great conversation yeah. starter, what a great way to start talking about mental health it's an opportunity to talk about it where maybe that opportunity wasn't there or didn't present itself, you know, having this yeah. physical thing, it opens a door, doesn't it, for conversation? Oh, it does, yeah, indeed. And the feedback that we've had from people that have found the zines in certain environments is, is a bit like, whoa. I think we had um, somebody who was um, on a mental health unit where one of the um, members of staff brought it in for them and they've been following us ever since and they send us work all the time and it's just a beautiful thing it really is yeah I think we again we can forget that how like everyone gets so focused on social media and I often I think a really good way to say it is we kind of like confuse Instagram reach with actually reaching people and yes. you know you might get a post that gets like a you know a thousand likes and in reality all it means is someone's like scrolled past and like half of them could be like a slipped thumb you know but for yeah. someone to actually like buy this thing and hand it over to someone you know they're going to read it you know they're going to take something from it you, you know it's, it's a much um a much mm. more authentic mm. way of like communicating a message with people I think. Oh, definitely. And Instagram and stuff could get a little bit stressful. You know, if we don't put out a certain amount of posts, we lose 
interest and oh it's just too stressful it's too much to even think about um but where it does come into play is no one would have seen our zine if it wasn't for the internet either so it works both ways as well you know we run everything online uh in terms of selling our products or getting our products out there um but we do want people to have the physical products um at the end of it yeah it's the social media thing's really tricky you know i have to use it a lot for this podcast (laughs) yeah me too yeah i have to use it a lot for like my day job as well you know i've got my own business and i kind of like it's, it's always like working out like obviously in life you have to eat a certain amount of shit right you just can't yeah. fucking avoid it yeah and it's sure. like trying to work out so social media that's the shit i have to eat and it's trying to work out like how much shit can i eat without making myself sick <laughs> <laughs> you know like <laughs> like how it's, much was- it's making it work for you though isn't it? it you know you don't want it to bug you down and to worry you all the time so you know i find posts that i do that are more personal with me just chatting rubbish in front of a camera um tends to get more interest than me posting a picture of of something <laughs> yeah yeah I think people definitely. like that personal aspect don't they they like seeing the personal aspects of uh, the story behind the company and where it originated from and you know there's a lot of um emotions in our in our projects and that's really important to kind of put across but then it's also difficult to put across <laughs> when you're talking into a camera (laughs) yeah that's it yeah I always have these like uh you know like really good taglines or ways of describing stuff that I say all the time day to day in my work and then as soon as I like press record then (gasps) I just lose it and it becomes this thing that doesn't make sense and I think I say this every day how can I not say it into a camera oh it's it's nerve-wracking as well it's nerve-wracking um so for the coping festival where we met we had to do um um a was it 60 second video of introducing ourselves and what we do and trying to cram everything in 60 seconds was <laughs> a task in itself it was so stressful it's like blah, blah, blah. oh who am I why do I do what I do oh, what do I do who am I <laughs> yeah it's hard going eh? and I think if it doesn't mm. like if it doesn't really like align with your values right if you're the sort of person who wouldn't really bother if you didn't have to then it can be quite mm. um yeah it's quite hard like putting yourself through that through that slog but you mentioned there kind of you know the the origins of the zine and where it came from and and what's behind it and you know that's probably a perfect um segue that I'd like to I'd like to Mm. get into mate Mm. but what so for people listening I've done that thing because I know what it is and you know what it is we've talked about it right but if anyone's listening who don't know what it is yeah what is it oh god wow uh the million dollar question that's it um (laughs) so it kind of all started in 2019 um my sister took her own life and um, I suppose it all came about with me trying to cope with that and to deal with that. Um, and the only way I know how to deal with things is creatively. And that's I've been an artist since way, way back. Um, and that was my thing to kind of deal with that. And it started as like an open call on my Instagram account. I was just like, oh, does anyone... Um, I think it all, that was it. It all started with the okay emoji. Um, and the, I asked people to submit their take on the okay emoji. So people submitting their creative responses, but we had so many and it, we were just, I was just going to share them on social media, but we had so much cool stuff sent to us that we put it in a zine. I was just like, sack it. I've always wanted to do a zine. Let's put it in a zine. And, um, 
we did it to raise money for Papyrus Suicide Prevention Charity, um, who focus on um, supporting people is it under 35. Um, so all of our profits went to that. So my family all chipped in, my mum, my sister, my brother, um, my dad, we all chipped in to get the zine printed. And then 100% of the profits went to there. Um, but then it was from from that people kept asking when's the next one out and then I was like oh crap what have I started now <laughs> so then we did another one um but obviously we couldn't afford to print in ourselves then so we had to kind of do uh I think it was 50 percent or some sort of percentage to charity then the rest covered printing and as we've grown we're on scene five now um now we've kind of strayed away from donating on this scene because we really now need a little bit of funding ourselves to help us um, buy materials and whatnot to do workshops. So workshops have naturally kind of grown into the business where people were asking us to do zine workshops. Um, so yeah, we, we've started to do that. And then we're tailor making a few different workshops now, like the collage portrait one, which you attended. I think that works really well. It kind of opens up the idea of people looking into themselves, you know, um, not only their funny collage, but words that go with that and ways they're coping. And it was funny, actually, because my dad came to that workshop. My mum and dad, they always uh, come and support whatever I do, which is ace. But my dad came up and he sat there for about an hour and made a wicked piece of art. And he put so many emotions and thoughts and struggles that he's having in his own head on there that I've never seen that side of him. And it, I was nearly crying. I was like, oh, it's like bloody hell. But he was really engrossed in it as well. Yeah. It, was, it was beautiful to see. So it's nice to see what we're doing is actually working. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like that thing, isn't it? That as human beings, we're all so like innately creative in some mm -hmm. way. And then society kind of puts creativity in these like little box. So if it's not like, if it's not one ah! thing, it's another thing, you know? And Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> so so people would say things like, oh, I'm not, I'm not creative because it doesn't fit that mold, but then it's, mm -hmm. it's not about that at all. Right. It's about finding that way, that thing of um, oh, expressing yeah. yourself. It's the most common thing we hear when people come up to our stand um, or stall or whatever we're doing. You go, oh, but I'm rubbish at art. I'm not an artist. And it's like, no, everybody's an artist. No, have a go. Sit down. I'll talk you through it. Um, and within five minutes, they're, they're whizzing away and making a really cool piece of art that, that surprises themselves. And then we're always like, wow, I could take this home and put it in a frame. It's like yeah. yay! <laughs> Everybody's yeah, an artist. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I look like when um yeah when me and the kids were doing it at the at the coping day, I like mm. I was amazed at how many when you flick through a magazine with the intention of just seeing what's there to to cut out and add to your collage, like the amount of mm. things that kind of jumped out, whether it was like one word or it's a you really kind of like get a. a deeper look we spend so much of our lives right mm. just kind of going through it and you don't really notice stuff do you mm. know what I mean you're just kind of like on that treadmill of life but to sit and um and take some time to actually kind of like look at this stuff and find something that gets your point across or um yeah. connect with something that you didn't even quite know that was spinning around your brain and uh yeah I don't quite know if I'm articulating that that very no, well no, it's but... 100% I think that's uh you saying you said time I think time is um 
the main one of the main contributing facts to that that you know do we do people give themselves time just to sit down and you know like we would do when we watch a tv program or a film do we ever sit down and make something you know and do people not do that because they don't think they're good at it is is another barrier it's like you know just give yourself time to look at things a little bit differently and create something yeah and that's that's a good point actually because we've in zine five we've actually made a little art pack and a guide of um how to make your own collage portrait um so we've got a little collage sheet in there with little facial features some colored paper so hopefully that gives people the opportunity to make something they've got a guide there they've got the materials and they're going to give themselves a bit of time to sit down and make something so yeah. that'll be it's going to be really interesting to see if we get any feedback um and pictures of what people have made yeah that'd be really cool if like some <laughs> yeah some of the things that get made end up in like in number six you know mm. that'd be like a really cool um mm. really cool way for it to happen right ah oh, that's such a good idea <laughs> yeah no it's it's um yeah, it's fascinating, really. So, like the the zine um, itself, it has all m- a mixture of stuff in it, right? So it's art mm-hmm. stuff, and there's a lot of um, lived experience writing and and stuff in there as well, Sarah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we have um, submissions from people um, that have made some writing about their own personal experiences. Uh, we try to encourage that they have a positive writing experience as well, because when we first started submissions, you know you get a mixed bag of what's coming through. So then we re- we identified and realized that we had to put on our website, you know, end with a positive, um, celebrate our successes um, as well as, as getting across your uh, struggles at, at the same time because we, you know, it's got to be a positive experience for people because I don't want people to be triggered by what they're writing and not end on a good note, if you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, we have written written accounts in there. We have interviews. Um, we've oh, we've had we've had some really cool interviews actually. We had uh, Nicholas Pinnock. Um, he's an actor. He was in was he in Power? <laughs> I can't okay, yeah, he was, yeah. He's uh, he was in Top Boy. Um, oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, he was so cool. So he did an interview with us. We've done musicians. Um, all di- all different types of people. We had um, a lady in there who, um, I, I, d- I don't know what to, I don't know what she titles herself as, but she lifts really heavy weights <laughs> and cars and stuff like that. Wow. Um, so having her write an uh, interview in there was really important as well. Um, so we try to do like a mixed bag. We try to break it up. So it's not all just one thing. Um, uh, in Zine 5 we've actually got some QR codes in there that send you to music videos from musicians as well so you can enjoy a bit of tunes whilst you're reading as well um, we really want to make it interactive now it's kind of growing into something else yeah. which is really cool yeah I love that I love it when you, you start something because you kind of 
feel that you have to and the opportunity presents itself right and when you find yourself in that position it's really easy to talk yourself out of it yeah you know sometimes you just go fuck it and you do it and then it just starts to evolve and it turns into something Mm. that you never thought it would and Mm. it's only sometimes when you look back right and you go hang on a minute I didn't even realize this had changed it's been so organic so gradual that it's just evolved into something else and that's really exciting I think oh that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of our project um because we're all volunteers we all do it in our spare time we've all got full-time jobs as well in education um so it's crazy you know especially this time of year it's the start of the new term everybody's mad busy and then we decide to launch a zine <laughs> um yes yeah, so everybody does it in their spare time which i'm so grateful for but it does you know pose its challenges with the time that we've got to do it but we make it happen um and you know, there's been a couple of times where we're like, we can't do this anymore. We just can't do it anymore. And then we look at what we've achieved um, and it's just too much to let go. We just can't do it. And because it's so, like you said, organic and naturally doing its thing, we just have to step back and let it do its thing for a bit. And then, you know, we don't, we've really figured out that, you know, when we first came to launch the second zine, I remember asking people for a bit of advice, like, how do we make this a business? Because I'm crap at business. <laughs> and um, they were saying, oh, self-subscriptions for a year. And I was thinking about that. And I thought, you know what? I can't mentally do that. That is going to put such a stress on me and everybody else involved. And that's not what we're about at all. I mean, we haven't done a zine for a year because everything's just been too stressful coming out of lockdown um it was easier in lockdown because we had more time but coming out of lockdown we've really had to kind of you know sit back a bit and just let things naturally do its thing until we're ready to so i mean some of the submissions for this scene was given to us a year ago <laughs> so some people have been waiting a really long time um <clears throat> but i decided to move from hertfordshire to sheffield so um, that was a massive thing in itself. Um, so I really had to think about when was the right time to put in all my energy to to the next scene, which seems seems like it's been okay this time round. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain mm. um, element of irony there to like creating something that's all about mental health and mental well being, and then using it as a tool to burn yourself out. Exactly, <laughs> you know, like... it really has to have a healthy balance. If it doesn't, we're not doing what we we want to achieve correctly yeah (laughs) that's it that's it and there's so much to be said I think for letting something breathe you know I've I've learned that the hard way with this podcast you know there was a time Mm. when I was like just really riding it you know like really trying to drive it towards something even though I didn't quite know what that thing was and the moment you've got all that enthusiasm and energy and you know what you're doing is really cool but then then you kind of burn yourself out step then you have to learn to step back a bit that's it. And the harder you work, like the, for me, the harder I worked at it, the bigger my expectations got. And then of course I wasn't meeting them. So then there's that, like that you get that disappointment that goes with it. Cause you haven't achieved this thing that you've set, but the thing that you've set doesn't even exist. It doesn't matter. Oh, it's and so difficult. Mm. Take a step back, let it breathe and just kind of let it do what you without the risk of sounding like a massive hippie, you have to trust the universe to some extent, right? You have to just put yeah. it out there and just like, yeah. let it, let it ride. It's, it's been a huge life lesson. It's been a huge life lesson. Um, beforehand I'd get, I'd be very organized. You know, this would have to be done by this date getting really stressed about it but 
yeah, this lesson of uh, kind of letting it go has been great. But I don't know if uh, somebody of the volunteers will say that. They still say I'm a bit of a stress head. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, hopefully I, I don't do it in a negative way. And they're always there to say, Sarah, it's all right. Everything's going okay. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's rubbish. <laughs> it really is an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, Which I can imagine it. the podcast being as well. I mean, do you do them weekly or? Yeah, I try to like record like at least one a week and then that way I can stay consistent. I can keep putting one out every every Monday. And some week mm-hmm. like you just don't know like this week this was supposed to be my third this week and then I had like one fell off and one I had to cancel. So um yeah, some weeks like loads happens and some weeks not so much and you know mm-hmm. it's just uh yeah, it's just one of those one of those things really. But And um, you just saying that is a big thing like yep, it's just one of those things yeah. rather than uh- yeah that's been a big um a big lesson for me right so i'm a naturally very anxious Mm. person that's kind of like my default way and my way of controlling my anxiety is to control every single aspect of my life so even like down to the minute details so one thing this has taught me to do is to kind of like not sweat the small stuff and just Uh... to kind of let stuff go and you know there's teachings in everything i think when it comes to our mental health and our understanding of ourselves because that's the big one isn't Mm. it that's the hard one is that level of self-awareness and oh god yes when my sister um passed away it's been such an emotional journey um and figuring out all the different kind of stages and time periods after and you know different struggles coming at different times and different intensities of things and you're constantly learning about yourself it's like okay uh i don't know um trying to think of an example um oh I was a big anxious mess had about five panic attacks last week and then you could kind of come out of that and think right why did that happen was there anything that triggered that was I tired um was I a bit stressed with anything it is just learning about why things are happening and letting them happen as well and being okay with them happening is a massive thing like I I never really had um bad anxiety before my sister passed away and I have such intense anxiety now even just coming onto this podcast is like oh, fucking hell ah you know um and sometimes I get this weird thing in my in my um voice that I get so anxious it feels like I've got a frog in my throat and I can't talk and it's really embarrassing and I'm, I'm thinking oh god I hope that doesn't happen <laughs> even just talking about it now I'm like oh god is that gonna happen again um but just learning why it happens you know um when this thing started happening to my throat and I couldn't speak um I realized that when I get anxious it's something to do with your muscles contracting and it's right. quite a common thing and your muscles just contract in your neck and you kind of like, and you just feel like you need loads of water and you can't talk. But as soon as you start to relax, it disappears again. Really strange. And that only started happening to me about a year ago. And I never understood it. But, you know, after doing a bit of investigation, now I do a little bit. Yeah. The, the, like, I always think about about um, grief is that it's something societally that we get so wrong because mm. there's just no like there's no we focus so much on like dealing with other stuff like looking after your mental health or looking after your physical health but like we tend to have to like figure grief out individually and I know everyone's 
is different, of course, but it, it's just not talked about, is it, grief? It's just not, we're it's just given not. no instructions at all, not even a baseline as a starting point. It's like these mm. awful things happen, and then it's like, just deal with it, <laughs> you know? like Yeah, totally, totally. And I feel um, other people, when you're in that grievous situation, other people really struggle to support you. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do, especially... Um, with a grief like suicide, nobody knows what to say. Um, and it is really difficult when you're grieving. You expect people like your closest ones to be able to support you. And you don't quite understand how they're not in the way that you want them to. But then how are they supposed to know? You know, they, they you know, it's nobody knows what to do. And it, it I, I'm really rubbish at stuff like that as well. You know, I, I would struggle. I'd, and I find it kind of ironic that, you know, I've started this because I've lost a loved one to suicide. But what do I say to somebody that's lost? I, I feel like I'm rubbish at giving advice, but I've realized, you know, that's not my job and it's not expected of me. It's just something I've experienced that maybe I can relate to other people rather than helping them with advice I haven't got this miracle cure that everybody's after when they're in despair or you know and it isn't about that either yeah very much so with a lot of the the bigger conversations in life whether it is about death about suicide about race and gender about all these like these big big things a huge part that we're missing from the conversation is people are so scared to have these conversations that they don't engage right Mm, you know mm. but everyone always thinks they need to have the answers when someone wants to speak to you about your grief everyone is like oh, I don't know what to say I don't know how to help and it's like well you don't have to help you yeah know? that's you- the biggest thing yeah you, you you don't have to cure that person you just listen yeah it's the main thing yeah, pat their back <laughs> <laughs> that's it isn't it you know yeah, yeah. and it, it's like so much in the mental mental health conversation is around talking and it's you mm-hmm. know it's the, mm-hmm. the the listening's the hard part and a lot oh, of people, it really is. It is, isn't it? And a lot of people mm-hmm. don't talk. And one of the reasons that they don't is because they're scared that they won't be heard, that the person won't listen, you know? And I yeah. think that that, yeah. that thing around listening is, is so, so, so important, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. I've had um, a couple of really close friends that have helped me massively with my grief. And they've seen me a complete mess. And it's that vulnerability as well, you know. Um, they never judged me at all, even though... I drank a lot after it was locked down not long straight after um, I was drinking a lot, just not coping, not being able to sleep, staying up, ringing my friends all the time. It's stupid hours in the morning after having a drink, crying continuously, just in the kitchen. You, you know, that Amy Winehouse song crying on the kitchen floor. That was like me for about two years. <laughs> it really was like that. That's all I did was kind of just, I, it, oh, it was awful. It's, it's kind of embarrassing looking back on it now, but I understand why I did that. It was just complete despair. Despair is the the only word I've got for it, really. Um, but having those non-judgmental friends around me that knew that that wasn't the way I normally behaved, I felt comfortable that I could call them in times of despair, you know? Yeah, and it's like, it's just, it's so important to have that around you to have the vulnerability yourself to just kind of let it spill out because it needs to come out how it's coming out right we can't control that it's just got to come out yeah and, and having yeah. people around there who are able to be witness to that 
and like you say and hold a, a safe space and you know yeah. so much around I think grief is the is people are really uncomfortable with um big showings of emotion because uh, again as a society that's all the like you know push that down right it's like get on with your grieving in, in private and serve your time so you can get back to work right yes. that's kind of yeah. the attitude isn't it but like yeah. it's never going to be it's never going to be that neat and tidy ever it just no. can't it can't be and it, it it yeah I think this whole thing of like watching big displays of emotional release it's hard for people because it's something mm. that they can't do or they've never seen or they've never experienced themselves you know so and, and that was interesting actually when it came time for me to go back to work I you know I had a, a job um but I knew I had to go back after losing my sister at some point. So I think it took about three months off in between that three months. I tried to come back for a day, but I didn't work at all. So then I kind of eased myself back in after about three months, but I was still a complete mess, but you're trying to hold it in to do your normal job. And, you know, I was teaching college students. Uh, um, I was an art technician as well. So trying to kind of bottle up all that in, and then as soon as it's time to go home, it's just like, Bleh! you know, and that, that, that had some challenges itself, just trying to crack on. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. There's mm. a lot of, um, you know, so many people I speak to have been through some massive, whether it's like a breakdown or, um, you know, a new illness or something that so much of that is triggered by just compressing this stuff, you know, just yeah. this emotion yeah. and, and whether you've it's got around to pay your bills, right. You've got to go to work. <laughs> yeah not. <laughs> that's the thing that's the frustrating thing isn't it when you see these like um you know tweets and stuff and there's like some multi-millionaire saying you know never put your work before your mental health and it's, like, oh, it's all right it's all right for you to say mate with your, with your fortune, yeah. you know it's yeah. like i can't do that because i have to work so what about exactly. me you know? exactly yeah. and it must be really difficult for people that are in a job that they don't like i was really fortunate to actually like my job um so a because it was a creative job as well. It helped support that part of my mind. Um, but yeah, it must be really difficult for people that really do not like their jobs that are suffering and then have to go back to a job that they don't even like anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. When mm. You mentioned like the, you know, the creative, your, the creative side of you. Um, when you were sort of deep in the, in the depths of that grief. Were you able to create in that space, Sarah? Like how did it affect your, your art, the art side of you? Uh, it was funny because um, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't. Um, and you're looking for this thing that's going to help. You know, everyone says uh, writing, um, all these things are going to help. They're going to help. Um, and I skateboard as well. So, you know, people were saying, you know, just skate, release that emotions. It was too intense to do that. It was too intense to even fathom any kind of um, outlet like that. It was, I found really disappointing because I was kind of hoping that that would help, but it just, I just couldn't do it. But then looking back, my creative outlet was the zine. And that's, that's what I did. Um, and it wasn't necessarily me creating work of my own it was collating other people's work putting them together in a cool little magazine that helped and that was what I was able to do but yeah. I wasn't able to sit down and make a drawing or a painting or something like that it was just different it was just different 
yeah, I suppose it's like taking that comfort from other people's experience. It's the whole not alone thing, right? So people are sending you these submissions and you can just kind of like just sit it, sit in that feeling of knowing, oh man, this is going on for other people too. I think so. I think so. It was a big security blanket for me, definitely. Yeah. There's a it's- like it, it finds yourself in that really weird um position where, you know, I'd I'd i I would guess that for you know for the majority of your life, one of the ways of um of you coping just with general light stuff is to, is to create, is to make art. And then the yep. time when you really need your coping mechanism, it it doesn't come. And that's that adds a, a different level of frustration and sadness as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't skateboard. I didn't have the confidence to go to the skate park and to skate, which um, which was one of my weekly routines, daily routines. Uh, and I still haven't got back into it as much as I used to. But I keep thinking it's fine. It's fine. You know, I love skateboarding. I still go and skate. And I will be able to do that like I used to at some point. It's not gone forever. But there was a big guilt thing with that as well. Like, oh, my God, I'm not on the skate scene anymore. All my friends were on the skate scene. A lot of um, my creative ties came from the skate park as well. So I felt like I was not letting everyone down, but letting me down. Um, You know, something really bad was going to happen if I didn't continue to do what I was normally doing. Um, But, yeah, that's another lesson that I've kind of got over that. (laughs) I don't beat myself up if I don't go skating once a week, you know. Yeah, I suppose it's that thing, isn't it? Like, you know, one day that you'll just get up in the morning and there'll just be that itch that needs scratching, right? That light yes. will be on and you'll go, right, it's time, you know? Yes. It's, uh, it's time. And because of that, I've got really rubbish at skating. I've kind of, oh, my skills have gone completely, but that that annoyed me as well. But it's fine. It's fine. I'll learn yeah. those tricks again at some point. <laughs> That's it. They'll come back quick, mate. They'll come back. I hope come so. Back quick. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. There's a lot of um, talk about mental health in the skateboarding community at the moment, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It's something that's like a really growing, um, a growing movement. There's so many cool things coming out of skateboarding at the minute, um, especially just the communicating mental health struggles. Um, it's just a beautiful thing that's happening at the moment, especially with Ben Raymer's foundation. I spoke to Lucy quite a lot, um, which is Ben's brother, uh, sister, sorry when um she was first going through what she was and I was like hey I'm in a similar situation it's really shit in it da, 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 da. um which was really nice to have that I think she was kind of the first person I spoke to that has been through the same thing and it was almost at the same time I think Ben took his life shortly after my sister did so it's all that raw raw emotions um but there's so many cool things coming out of skateboarding now it makes me proud to be a skater for sure and being proud of being in that scene, definitely. Yeah, I think something that we're like modern life is will drill out of you if you're not careful is being part of some sort of um, community, like a subculture, as some being part of a, of a scene like that. And I think that's so important. And it's something that we we do as when we're younger. You know, I used to kind of like chop and change scenes, trying to find the one that I kind of, you know, trying to find my tribe almost. But then you get yeah. to a certain age and that fall, falls away. And um, one thing I noticed from the the coping uh, data where we met and we'll probably find ourselves going back to that day quite a lot. It was mm-hmm. really cool just kind of looking around that place and, and seeing the community at, at Greystone Action Sports <sighs> and everyone like coming together and um you're watching my kids have their little skateboard lesson and just be like joining in with these yes. people and trying stuff and you just kind of that community element is so yep. important 
And um, the skate scene's so welcoming as well. It's everyone's just so cool. It's just it's such a nice scene to be involved in. And I didn't really get into the skate scene until I was about 32, something like that. Uh, my husband's always skated. Um, my younger kids were just learning how to skate. Um, and I met someone called Kelly, um, Kelly Watson, who's a part of the It's OK project now. Um, we were doing our masters at the same time at Hertfordshire Uni. Um, so we bumped into each other and we got chatting and um, she was just learning how to skate as well. She was at that point in her life. So she invited me to come to these um, skateboarding lessons for adults. Um, so, yeah, went along to them, run by ABC um, Skateboarding at Pioneer Skate Park in St. Albans. And as soon as I went my first session there, I knew I'd be there for a long time um, and made some really cool friends there. Um, and they helped support me when my sister took a life because that was kind of midway through. Um, and yeah, just having that. And I've ne I haven't found a session like that since, especially moving up to Sheffield. It's something that I'm kind of still searching for an adult beginners session. It's just the best because everyone's older. You know, everyone's scared of hurting themselves and not being able to go to work the next day. So everyone's a bit apprehensive, but you're all in the same boat and you're learning something together and you don't feel like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's it. it. Yeah, It was so cool. Such a such an important aspect. But yeah, that's that's how I kind of got into the skateboarding world. Yeah. And it is, it's nice that it is so welcoming. And I, like, I, I always think people need to remind themselves. I need I do this all the time. Right. I have to remind myself that there's no expectation to be good. At anything mm -hmm. and I think sometimes where we go wrong as adults so we look at skateboard and it's go I could never do that and you think well I hate to break it to you no one's expecting you to the person who yeah. did that has been skateboarding since they were 12 they get paid to do it no one ever thinks that you I hope I'm not shattering a dream mate but yeah. you're never gonna <laughs> you're never gonna do it so you might as well just have a go and it's a bit like what you were saying at the start about creativity and they say well you know mm. oh, I'm not a very creative person it's like well I'm not I'm not offering to hang it in the Tate Modern I'm just asking yeah. you to get get a Brit stick and a pair of scissors out and see where we yeah. go with it yeah you know? but going down to the skate park can be nerve-wracking I found it really nerve-wracking um as a beginner I still do find it nerve-wracking because I'm I'm pretty crap, but you know, it is trying to kind of get into your head whilst you're there. You know what? No one cares. No one's looking at you. But I do feel as like an older female skater, there is a bit more of a well, I feel like there's this big spotlight on me, follow me around as I'm skating, where really no one gives a crap. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good way to um to challenge that anxiety right so sometimes with anxiety you have to prove it wrong and if you pick something that's too big and scare the shit out of yourself and that's not that's only going to reinforce it but just having yeah. that little thing that you can do each day or once a week or whatever it is just to kind of see you know go and have your skate and then come home and go oh yeah no one looked no one yeah. said anything no everything was fine you know i'm making yeah. you know and yeah. afterwards you're like oh so glad i did that but it doesn't work every time you know sometimes you're too anxious i've been to the skate park and just gone home again <laughs> you know and you're just like <laughs> no not ready for that you know it's fine though it doesn't matter yeah everyone's so self-conscious and i i'm really i'm very self-conscious so you know it's another thing that i want to learn as I get older to just let things go and not, not be so hung up about what everybody thinks of you. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, like, it's really important to talk about that because we all have some of that. And a lot of people you would think wouldn't when you looked at their life from the outside, you know? So I look at, I look at you and you're like, you know, creating these, creating art and like, you really have to put yourself out there when you're creating art, right. When you're making stuff. And, yeah. um, you know, so I would not have, you know, I would have assumed wrongly that you didn't have those same, you know, thoughts and fears and stuff like that. But it just goes to show why oh, it's important to, to talk honestly about the things that we think and the things that we experience, because there's so yeah. much of that, like, oh, yeah, me too. You know, that's really important, isn't it? And it's so funny you saying that, because I think I wouldn't say I think it's obvious, but I just think people know. But how did I know? They don't know unless you say it. <laughs> you know, I I have really bad anxiety. Um I went through a period of having terrible panic attacks, like horrendous. They were horrible. Um, and and just, I have this thing with guilt. I don't know what it is. Um, my husband always says it. He goes, God, why, are you, why do you feel so guilty about things all the time? I'm always beating myself up. So, for instance, testing positive with COVID this week, ringing in work. Oh, my God, you know, have I got COVID? It was the test, right? Because... Then, then I did my second test and it was negative. And then I was like, hold on, now I've got one positive and negative. Have I got COVID? And the whole thing was just so stressful. And I was like, it's almost like I'm rigging in work and pretending like, oh no, he, he's going to think that I'm not ill. So I have to really prove that I'm ill. But then, you know, I did another test and I have got COVID and I feel like crap. And I am allowed to have a bit of time off work. So stop beating yourself up about it. I spent two days just on the sofa stressing about being off work. It was ridiculous. I look back and it's just like, oh, you idiot. Why Why did I have to do that? You know, but I guess that's something I'm just going to have to learn about myself. But yeah, guilt is just, it is, it is something that I struggle with really badly. Yeah. Yeah, it seeps in. You know, I think to some extent mm. we are kind of like programmed. We, we we are programmed as human to look on the bad side, aren't we? You know, it's that whole, uh, you know, when you were a, a cave woman walking through the jungle, you know, is it a branch or is it a snake? Well, if you yeah. just assumed that every branch was a branch, you're probably going to get bitten by a snake, right? So it's kind of, we are uh, programmed like to some extent to look on the, um, on the, on the dark side, but it does, yeah, it does take over. Mm. How do you manage that with making art? Because something I'm really, really interested in, um, mainly for like really my own reasons, um, but separating like your sense of your sense of worth and your sense of who you are from what you make, because there's a certain element of you make something and it's out in the world. And, you know, so for me, like mm. we might record this podcast. I'm really, really proud of it. And I put it out and maybe in the first day, it, you know, it doesn't like it doesn't hit like I think it's going to hit and that doesn't matter because it's got it's there forever it can hit at any at any you point. feel really yeah. vulnerable don't you putting yeah. something out there to the world um and I, I, mm, with art I don't really give a I'm not really too fussed on that side as I am with other aspects of my life with my art I make art because I want to make art when art gets sh- stressful for me and it takes all the fun out of it is when I am I've been given a task and I'm paid to do something and I'm struggling to get it done in time or you know I've got all these added pressures I'm not making something because I enjoy it anymore and that's where I really have to concentrate on my balance and why I am I why I make art in the first place and it is hard when you get commissions that 
you know, you don't necessarily want to do <laughs> it kind of, but, but like, for instance, the more spontaneous pieces of artwork that I do when I've got a bit of time, um, I make out quite quickly as well. So those quick, spontaneous bursts of art always seem to be my best things, always, always. And that's that's when I enjoy art the most. And I guess it's more subconscious. You, you're making art more subconsciously than consciously, and it has to be done in a certain way, uh, in a certain amount of time, and it has to be a polished, finished effect. Yeah. It takes the expression away, doesn't it? There's no... You know, you can't express yourself as much as you would do making a spontaneous piece of work. Yeah, I suppose like there's some element of like you're almost the, I don't know, is the right word, the conduit. Like it's almost like flowing through you, right? Like it's rather than, uh, yeah, you it just it is art just, is within me. <laughs> that's it. It's just it's just it's just happening. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's I think sick, it's kind man. of the same with skateboarding as well. You know, when you don't build up all this, um. I don't know, planning of your skateboard. You just go and skate for the fun of it. It's, they're always the best sessions, always. Yeah, it's. I suppose it's like finding different ways to express yourself, isn't it? And just to put mm. a little bit of you into whatever it is that you're doing. And again, that can be quite hard to do, I think, in, in modern life. Yeah, we lose yeah. sight. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, lose yeah. sight of what that is. You know, when someone sits down with you and you give them a blank page and they go, oh, I'm not very creative. It's like, well, they don't even know where to start. Right. They don't even know what's the mm. jumping in point. But then when you watch kids, when you watch kids do it, you God, know, my, they're my, so good at it. My daughter's downstairs like right now and she's just got her paints out and it's just like, you know, just just doing stuff. And then it's on to the next. Exactly like you described of your work there. It's like, just do it and oh, it's done. And I'm it's so envious it's- of how kids are. Oh, I wish we could be like that our whole lives <laughs> with every aspect. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's like yesterday, um, my youngest son, he had an inset day and obviously I was still isolating. So um to get him off his gaming and computers or whatever I was like right we're just going to make some art so I got all my it's okay project boxes down I was like right we're making a collage or whatever you just make whatever you want just spread it all over the front room and we had a little art session for about an hour two hours um and I made I I ended up making an A4 collage which then I scanned and we've popped on a t-shirt design that we launched last night kind of all happened in a day I was like oh do you know what this is really cool scanned it popped it on a t-shirt edited a little bit um but it was so fun and it was just nice to do together and it was it was awesome um and the thing is with merchandise is what I struggle with because I got kind of trying to make our merchandise and you know it's like oh I'm not very good at this I'm not a graphic designer type of person and I've I realized yesterday you know what we can make hand made out we can make collages we can make something scan it in and put it on a garment and that that involves me in the process more um I'm trying to think of the word oh what word am I trying to think of um I guess I'm just more hands-on involved in the process which then makes that garment more successful for me yeah, oh, yeah. sorry my phone's ringing let me turn it <laughs> where is it it's in my pocket sorry the uh 
schoolboy ever forgot to put my phone on silent oh, mate, no no worries <laughs> at all i always say you know like i'm surprised one of my kids doesn't come through that door behind me to be honest they're usually making a make an appearance but <laughs> these things have got to sound like life right when we're talking about oh yeah health, it's real life it's not, yeah we can't polish this stuff because it's then it's not real and if it's not real people don't relate to it and then it doesn't help you know so exactly yeah, it's gotta gotta be real exactly. yeah so it sounds like um i mean I, I usually wrap up by saying like what's next but obviously your what's next has just happened Girl, this week what's next? <laughs> we, we are in we are in the what's next <laughs> right now uh, um, but it sounds like workshops are going to take a big a big uh, leading role in what you've got going forward yeah, workshops are really successful in, in terms of meeting people, um, having conversations with an actual person, um, because our project was born in lockdown, um, that we were missing that aspect of things. Um, but now we could get out there and meet people. Um, it's just bringing a different light to it. And people seem to love what we're doing. Um, so definitely more workshops. Uh, for sure. And, you know, with me moving up to Sheffield, I'm in a new place. Um, I need to kind of get out and about here and meet some locals. And, you know, I've been to the local house skate park. I need to get down there more and just be part of something. That's the one thing with a move. I've, I've had kind of had to restart my life and my networking up here. Um, friends and stuff like that like making new friends as an adult is really weird it's hard isn't <laughs> it's it it's really, really weird hard. it's like hey what do you do can i come out with you <laughs> but that's where skateboarding is hopefully going to help that i can just find some people to skate with and um but yeah more zines hopefully um but right now it's just pushing zine five everyone buy it it's sick <laughs> it's only a fiver and it's a physical copy we try and make it cheap um but yeah, and yeah, just promoting that at the moment, I oh, guess, and mate. launching our new clothing. Yeah, that's yeah. sick. That's really, really sick. Yeah, <laughs> lots going on. And, you know, we've talked about it before, but yeah, I'm a big fan, man. I think it's so cool. Oh, and, man, um, that means so much. Honestly, so, so, so much. I, I just think that with the mental health conversation, to get more people to engage in it, there needs to be something for, for everyone, you know? And yeah, like, it amazes me that there is always, there is always someone doing something awesome that I can talk to that isn't the norm Amazing. you know and it like hey. it just it just yeah it's really really cool to um yeah to find someone to chat to about and um yeah I've enjoyed today immensely mate it's been lovely to see you again as well oh really and cool. you man and you thanks for the invite loved it <laughs> oh mate it's been a real uh a real pleasure thank you oh wicked have a lovely weekend oh you too mate you too <laughs> all right then, take it easy okay. proper mental podcast please like and subscribe the space time